Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, singer-songwriter Sofia Valdez tells us about her new EP. Those two songs are the most me I've put out yet. Like, those are me. Plus, some music experts weigh in on the song of the summer. If you're not moving and you're listening to that song, maybe your nerves might be damaged. (laughs) But something should be twitching. Something. Come on now. (laughs) vibe I think we could all use this week because it has been a heavy week. As I'm sure you all know, a draft Supreme Court opinion that appears to overturn Roe v. Wade was leaked to the public this week. To be clear, this ruling has not come down yet. Roe v. Wade is still the law of the land, but it looks like that could change. I have very strong feelings about this, but as a journalist, I have a responsibility to not use my platform for advocacy. We are going to post some links to articles that the Nerdette team has found particularly helpful this week. We'll tell you where to find those at the end of the show. I also believe really strongly that Nerdette should be a place that provides comfort and respite and, of course, delight during really intense news cycles. And I have two lovely humans to help me do that this week. With us, we have J.P. Bramer. He writes an advice column called Ola Poppy. Ola Poppy is also the title of his book, A Memoir and Essays. J.P., welcome back. Hello. And Danny Lavery is the author of Something That May Shock and Discredit You. He writes The Chatner, a weekly newsletter about literature and pop culture. He was Dear Prudence at Slate for several years, too. Danny, welcome back. Hello. Okay, so, um, of course, I mentioned the leaked Supreme Court document. Um, The political story about it came out right as stars were starting to gather on the red carpet for the Met Gala, which was like extra dystopian vibes, I felt like, earlier this week. Um, The Met Gala, obviously, an event held the first Monday of every May. Um, What the fuck even is it? Do you know, JP, is this like a thing you follow at all? Yeah, Um, it it feels like par for the course now that some at some random point at any given day, something is just going to puncture the quiet and disturb (sighs) you. It's just been happening for years now. So I was like, okay, I guess it's happening during the Met Gala, which is a time when I like to look at little outfits. Yeah. So did you still look at little outfits? <laughs> um, I'm always looking at little outfits. It's not just the Met Gala. Some of us celebrate daily. Um, every day is the Met Gala to me. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Danny, what about you? Are you following it? What do you think of the theme? It's usually the kind of thing that like I only hear about because other people who are more invested in it say, oh, it's today. But I, I have kind of liked the general idea, which as far as I can understand it, is like you get to watch the red carpet and then you don't have to watch any sort of event afterwards. And I, I like that. I enjoy watching very, very attractive and wealthy people wear very nice clothes and also feeling like a tiny king in my home where I can say like, this pleases me or like, this does not please me. Yeah, that sounds pretty perfect. I thought, you know, they pick a theme every year 
And it's always interesting to see like how much people kind of lean into it or not. This year was Gilded Age, which I don't know. I mean, having seen enough of the HBO show, The Gilded Age, to get bored, which wasn't actually that much because it was pretty boring. Like, I felt like we were going to see a lot of more, a lot more like bustles and corsets than we did. Mm. Were you... Danny is a little king watching disappointed by that or no? I, this is, I think, where my lack of expertise maybe comes into play. So I, I don't know if maybe either of you have a sense of like, were there in years past, did they adhere more closely to the to the theme? Oh, do I? <laughs> JP, tell us everything. <laughs> First of all, we should introduce stakes to this whole thing. I think whoever does the worst should have their celebrity revoked. Ooh, they think that they should it. just become you. You have to become a regular person because you looked bad. I think that would be fun. <laughs> also, yes, um, I think Met Galas that are more successful tend to be a little bit easier to understand. So like the mm-hmm. Heavenly Bodies uh, Catholic theme was, I mean, as an ex-Catholic, unfortunately, I have to admit it was very fierce. It was just like everyone sort of understood what the Catholic Baroque uh, aesthetics are meant to look like. Whenever it's open to interpretation, that's where you run into problems. That's where we start getting prom dresses um, I would have done full on like train track eleganza, like, you know, in the olden days when <laughs> the big thing was like laying tracks across the West or whatever. And like trains were such a big thing. I would have had a dress with an actual train, but the train was a train. It would have a little choo-choo at the back of it. I think that would be really cool. I think I should be famous. They should invite me. God. I think you'd be really good. I think so yeah. too, because I, I understand, you know, bread and circus. I have circus. I know how to give that to you. Like, come on. It's my time. Was the Phineas Gage accident during the Gilded Age, I wonder? Because it feels like it's got to be close enough that oh, you could probably wow. incorporate that into some of the outfits. Oh my God. I also might have a misunderstanding of when the Gilded Age was. I have a vibe. I think I know. Okay. According to Wikipedia, roughly extended from 1870 to 1900. And Phineas Gage, I think, would have been like 1850. So he was a little too oh, soon, was, which is a shame. too soon for but... his time. Railroad accidents next was that, year. Was that the time of like saloon girls? That's what I need to know. Definitely. He okay, was the guy good. who accidentally drove a, a railroad spike up through his own and skull, survived. but then lived for yes. like eight Oh my God. Years. And I would have gone as a saloon girl, but with the like spike in my head. That would have yes. been so cool. Or just everyone goes as like Debbie Reynolds as the unsinkable Molly <laughs> Brown. Like that's the theme. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So some news on the sweeter side from this week is that Dolly Parton was voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame alongside Eminem and Lionel Richie. Um, she had asked not to be considered, I guess, because she isn't like a rock and roll artist, but you could make that argument about plenty of people. Um, she has since accepted the honor. My question is, why won't she let us love her? I'm very fixated on Dolly Parton featuring Eminem or vice versa. Oh, no. I think that that song would be interesting. <laughs> I would listen to it. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, she talked to NPR about it and she said, it was always my belief that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was for the people in rock music. Mm. And I found out lately that it's not necessarily that. I mean, it's true that she's been honored in plenty of other, you know, especially country music, right? I mean, like she is a queen. But yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting one. It does remind me, like, I don't know who started the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It just sounds unbelievably fake. Like, I just feel like somebody in the 60s had like a million dollars and was like, (laughs) I want to turn this into a way to like force famous people to want my oh, approval and then was just like oh i've created the hall of fame for rock and roll yeah and it's just like what do you have the consent of the governed on that like <laughs> did rock and rollers all get together and say like we've got to honor ourselves like to me i think i feel the way about this that maybe you you thought i might feel about the met gala which is just like this seems made up <laughs> i don't care about this 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 has the ring of inauthenticity to it like 
I something doesn't smell right about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I believe it has like suspicious and unsavory origins. That's amazing. So you're a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like anarchist, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes, I am, and it just started right now. Well, I'm so glad we got there. JP, are you a Dolly fan? What do you think? Okay, so I've always loved Dolly, and in fact, the meme of her being this like absolutely perfect person who we stand in perpetuity really frightens right. me because yeah. that it tends to be followed up by some like article somewhere being like, "But what's the real deal with Dolly Parton?" And then it's like a takedown, and it's like every little bad thing she's ever done. Now all of a sudden, it's like we were wrong to stand. Oh my god, we. Were, it's like I don't know. I hate the cycle. I really hate it. She's also a human being. Yeah. Let's yeah. not put her on a pedestal. Like let's not yeah. carry it away. Yeah. Okay. So I've done a little clackety clacking. Okay. And I have learned that the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame was established in 1983 uh-huh. by Ahmet Erdogan, who was like the founder and the chairman of Atlantic Records. Oh. So it's just some fucking so it's record company executive nonsense. who was like, yeah. it's the eight. Like, this feels to me like when people are like, credit scores were only invented like 30 years ago, where it's just like, why are we pretending that this is like some big objective standard? Like, just the record company made up this like fake award it's like when liz gets jenna a cookie award on 30 rock it's a cookie oh crunch most awards are like that aren't they like i remember for the very first time i was sort of behind the shadowy cabal of people who choose to give someone an award and i was like well this is fake it's just like none of us know what we're talking about we're just sort of like arbitrarily selecting a person it's sad in a way because Mm -hmm. i want awards i want trophies but they really aren't real it is amazing how much like i'm noticing like my own umbrage at this or like my own chagrin is like oh yeah like all awards are like similar levels of like Mm -hmm. made up but for some reason if something strikes me in the wrong way then i get like extra offended on behalf (laughs) of other also fake awards and i'm just like no a real award is like done under slightly different circumstances you just the entire process of trophies yeah exactly (laughs) otherwise award ceremonies for celebrities are just like incredibly organic and like deeply rooted in achievement i think we can transition from that into this next story actually which i thought was fascinating this one like definitely took up a lot of space on my timeline um i i I kind of loved it so this was an essay in the sydney morning herald it was Mm. called less than a month after i met my soulmate i ended my 14-year marriage um JP, you're mm. laughing knowingly. You this you saw this one? Oh yes, I love it. No notes <laughs> whatsoever. I love it. My favorite genre of literature on the internet is just sort of like delusional. No one stopped this person. Why is this published on an actual website? It reminds me a little bit of you remember the Odyssey? I don't know if the Odyssey is still Odysseying, but they had that one that was like you, wait like homer's yeah odyssey? i know i'm like wait no. you mean homer um no. there was this website called the odyssey oh, and their whole thing huh. was just oh. publishing absolute bottom of the barrel like whatever <laughs> just throwing stuff at the wall seeing what sticks <laughs> one of them was like you got to wear the prom dress with him but i get to wear the wedding dress and to this day Whoa, it's like my favorite headline right. of all time it was just some girl who was like you know who i just want to ether today my husband's like prom date from high school prom date Damn. she's been riding too high on the hog no <laughs> more Lord, cut that's her so down intense. to size i love it it's so good and i read it and of course like the blowback on the internet is kind of part of the whole thing it's it's so much joy so much happiness i hope people never stop writing like that it's so much fun okay so in this case we have the writer amanda trenfield And she says she met her soulmate at this conference that she was attending with her husband in order to rekindle their relationship. 
Um, but like a month later, after not speaking to this dude, she breaks up with her husband. And then the real kicker is the like, you know, italics at the end of the essay that's like, this was extracted from her new book, When a Soulmate Says No. Uh, Danny, did you love this as much as JP and I did? Yeah. So like, obviously, like, I love the good fun of it all, right? Like, it's it's low stakes messiness. Um, I, I enjoyed uh, reading it as much as everyone else did. But I also like, uh, aside from the sort of, I think, knowingly provocative framing of like, when a soulmate says no, <laughs> it did strike me as just like a pretty standard, like, I was in a like kind of flailing marriage and I realized that like my husband and I like don't really connect and that's really like sad. And then I met someone I felt really excited about and that reminded me of like my capacity for like pleasure and intimacy and joy. And like that feels pretty normal to me. Like I guess I I think it really was just like the, the word soulmate. Yes. Yeah, I I have to wonder what the men in this story were even thinking, which is probably not much at all. Like, um, <laughs> like the soulmate was probably just like, oh, hey, it's that one girl, and then just sort of like went on with his day or evening, and meanwhile she's just like my soulmate. Yeah, which I find that relatable. Yeah, yeah, and it it feels too like at the end of it, like not you know, I I don't know this writer, I haven't read the book, I'm probably not going to read the whole thing, but like. I can relate to that. I've certainly had experiences where I feel like, hey, we're both going to change our lives about this, right? And somebody else was like, no. (laughs) What do you Um, mean? (laughs) I maybe think the title, When a Soulmate Says No, is like, had I been the editor, I would have been like, let's find a different way of like describing this. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, her husband is like trying and failing to eat his pudding, like missing his mouth with a spoon, just not observing anything, (laughs) just like not, not noticing, not observing, just a really unsentient pile sitting there it really did seem that way you know what's funny is that jp last time we had you on the show we talked about bad art friend which was like such an apex in like trash reading that everyone was Mm -hmm. captivated by for Mm -hmm. 15 minutes or whatever yeah i think that a lot of us are pretty bored and so whenever we run across something that can keep us entertained for 30 minutes we just make it a whole day like how can we stretch this out (laughs) much farther than it should go i saw people like making novelty accounts based on that and i'm like okay you need something going on in your life (laughs) you you gotta wonder like how many days did they like keep up those novelty accounts before they just realized like no one no one is sticking with this one like do you feel anything in that moment when you press login i would read that tell-all article yes in the sydney morning herald i ran a novelty account for three days let's all just use that the sydney morning herald as like our diary that'd be great <laughs> it's perfect well jp danny thank you both so much this was very fun thank you for having me i am so so glad that we got to do this Our next guest is one of my favorite new musicians. Her name is Sofia Valdez. And honestly, it is not an exaggeration to say she helped get me through the pandemic. Her EP Ventura is gorgeous. All of the songs are great. One of my favorites from it is called Little Did I Know. Sis, 
since the release of Ventura just over a year ago, Sophia's life has changed a lot. Those songs were more like DIY. You know, like Little Did I Know was recorded in my kitchen. Now she has a couple of new singles out, Carbon Copy and I Hate the Beatles. Her new EP is called In Bloom and it comes out on May 13th. She talked to me from a backyard in L.A. where there was some pretty vocal wildlife. Oh, my God. Did you hear the birdies? <laughs> the birds are really loud. Literally, they're so loud. I can go back in. <laughs> it was like... Pew, 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 pew. We made it work. We talked about why her music is so often described as yearning. I always say, like, it's kind of like melancholy. Mm. Um, but I like yearning. I think because growing up, I moved around so much. Like, um, I started living by myself when I was like 16, 15. So, and I moved countries and I think there was always this feeling in the back of my mind where I was missing something where I was longing for something. And I was like longing for home or even like a parent, you know, even when I lived in Panama, like there was always something I was like hoping to be close to. Melancholian is, is another great word. I also feel like wistful mm. could be. I like that. But like they also feel so grounded oh. in a sense of self at the same time, which I find to be really fascinating. That makes me happy. <laughs> You're just making my day here. Just compliments <laughs> left and right. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think I try to be. I think I think I want to show like my truest self, you know? And I found myself lately. Like this past like month um, has been kind of wild for me because um, my dad has been in jail for a couple of years and he finally like got out. And this like weight that I've always felt since I was a baby, like suddenly wasn't there. And I felt complete in some kind, some way. And I remember um, that happening and me not feeling like I had to go to that emotion when singing. And it was wow. so strange. And now it's like I'm trying to like relearn how to like be okay with also feeling complete. Because like, I, like for me, then melancholy became my comfort. And now I'm like trying to be okay with like, you know, just like feeling balanced. And, and I guess at the end of the day, like this is my life. And like I don't want to feel like I'm always like yearning for something. I imagine it's going to be really interesting for you creatively to like find a new vocabulary. Yeah, for sure. It's been so strange. I mean, I think naturally I'm always going to have that because even like the people I grew up listening to like Nora Jones and the Beatles and like a lot of these mm -hmm. people like um, they, they naturally always sing with a lot of longing. And also when I wrote Ventura and I think when I was writing this EP, this coming EP, I was also coming out of a breakup. And, mm. and I was so dependent on this breakup and now I feel like I'm not at all. 
and I'm used to writing as if someone left me. (laughs) But I'm like, wait, no one left me now. Like, no one has left me. This is all pandemic talk as well, because I feel like we've all been by ourselves so long. Oh, God, I'm sure. It's interesting because I feel like what you're saying about, like, how you can't possibly predict what your music is going to sound like is... Like, I imagine everyone can relate to that, whatever the music thing, you know, fill in the blank there, right? Where it's just like, I mean, who can say? Like, we can't possibly predict, right? Yeah, that's true. I did say that this next EP was not going to be about love. And then I got broken up with it. Now it's definitely the entire (laughs) EP. So you mentioned the Beatles. Mm -hmm. You have a new song out from the new EP. It's called I Hate the Beatles. (laughs) It's funny because when I first saw the song name, I was like whoa like I had to laugh because I like the Beatles are one of my favorite bands and you've Mm -hmm. talked about too like you know your dad playing the the Beatles for you when you're a kid like obviously they had a big influence for you as well Mm -hmm. but I feel like you're doing something really interesting with like the symbolism of the Beatles in this song let's listen to a little bit of it and then we can talk about it and they would say a bird can't sing go ahead and cut the wings from a cage you're listening my father's name is a buried memory so I feel like there's always such a lushness to your songs. I love it so oh, much, like the layers. But tell us, like, what what are you doing with the Beatles here? <laughs> I did grow up listening a lot to the Beatles. And um, not only that, but then I was also dating someone that, like, he was a massive Beatles fan as well. And I remember he was playing this, like, cover show of them. And then in the same day that that was happening, he ended up meeting someone else. And Mm. that was like so heartbreaking to me. And my dad already had been in jail for a couple of years. And Mm. the Beatles already were kind of like a touchy thing for me. And I know it sounds so annoying and like so stupid and sensitive for me to even say that. Why were they touchy for you? It just felt like too personal or something? it was too personal personal it like it reminded me way too much of like very happy things and a lot of things I didn't have anymore and that there were I was never gonna have again and what I also did with this song is like every verse starts with a Beatles song that resonated with that time that the thing happened and that it had something to do with the person so you know I mean kind of the lyrics in the beginning are um now I hate eight days a week. Honestly, it makes me sick to think of you and her asleep. This person cheated on me and the Beatles. I like to blame them for it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it sounds like circumstances with your dad have changed yes. since, you know, a couple of years ago. Like, do you think writing a song about how you hate the Beatles has allowed you and given the change in circumstances too? like, oh, my God, do you how do you feel about the Beatles now? Okay, so it's so strange, like. I can even be super pissed at someone and I'll write a song about them. And suddenly I'm not mad anymore. Literally the day after I wrote it, I, w- I downloaded 
all their songs and i was it's the only thing i was playing again for like the next three months after oh that and it was like i felt so like liberated in a way i love that so can we talk a little bit about your first ep because it came out just over a year ago like in february of 2021 which you know is the middle of the pandemic which means that your career has taken off during the pandemic which yeah like especially given you know the fact that you're in your early 20s like this is the beginning of your career to have it all happen during what is already such a surreal time like i'm just really curious like how crazy that has been for you my life drastically changed after i started putting music the thing is, obviously, I was, like, back home in Panama, like, locked up. So I didn't feel anything. And then the moment that I was able to, like, leave my home, it was so strange because I was, like, people made, like, knew who I was and I had listened to these mu- this music that mm. I had literally written, like, in my bathroom. Like, I would sit on the toilet and grab the guitar. And for some reason, it made me, like, not judge myself and not like write better <laughs> I mean I was nothing was falling in the toilet but I was definitely sitting on a toilet <laughs> that's amazing well and you're using those bathroom acoustics right <laughs> yeah yeah definitely wait that was really not the question you were asking and I just changed it to me <laughs> being in the toilet like writing no I think it was perfect I think that's exactly what <laughs> needed to happen with the answer to that question great <laughs> How is the new EP different? It comes out in May. It's called In Bloom. Um, So that's, you know, just a little over a year since the first EP. Yeah, I'm so nervous because Carbon Copy and I Hate the Beatles. I feel like those two songs are the most me I've put out yet. Like, those are me. Sophia, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been so much fun. Oh, no, thank you. It's probably like my favorite podcast interview thing because it's just I felt like I was just talking to a friend. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That makes me very happy. So thank you. In just a minute, three critics recommend their favorite songs for the summer. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. One headline that made me internally scream this week was from Block Club Chicago. Apparently there was only one day of sunshine in Chicago in the past 43 days. It explains a lot about my current headspace. But we thought it would be fun to bring you a little bit of sunshine in the form of summer music because we are closer than ever before, y'all. So three of our favorite music critics gave us their pitch for what the song of the summer should be this year. 
I'm Kristen Curtis. I host the morning show, and I'm also the assistant music director at WXPN in Philadelphia. So I'm Biko. I'm the morning host on Vocalo Radio from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. I curate and play some of the freshest tracks on Chicago's Urban Alternative, your favorite Chicago Urban Alternative, I like to call it. My name is Joey Guerra. I'm the music critic for the Houston Chronicle. I think for me, a perfect summer song is something that sticks in your head the first time you hear it, and you literally cannot get it out almost to the point of annoyance. (laughs) But I think what happens is, you know, when a song does that, it kind of then settles into your body, your mind, your spirit, and it just kind of soundtracks everything you do that summer. A song for the summer is something that has great instrumentation and has a good message behind it that'll keep you, your son, your daughter, your cousin's auntie, baby's mama's dancing. It can't be too crazy. It can't be too loud or too too much, but it's kind of just a vibe. I like that word. It has to be vibey first and foremost. I love listening to music when I'm walking, and I feel like I catch myself sometimes when I'm listening to a song like that, like kind of strutting down the street. This is a banger. Be the Doobie is releasing her second album, Beatopia, this summer. You know how fashion comes around every like 25 years? I feel like B is doing that with her music. Like this new song would sit so nice next to that shoegaze kind of like grungy rock that was coming out in the late 80s or early 90s. Like, I feel like I'm a teenager, I'm in high school, the entire world is laid out before me, and I can do anything that I put my mind to. That's how I feel when I'm listening to Be The Doobie's music. I feel like this should be the year of love. My beautiful love, but will you stop standing in your own way? If you're not moving and you're listening to that song, maybe your nerves might be damaged, <laughs> but something should be twitching. Something. Come on now. Top of that, the message, you know, love somebody. His name is Wrote to Me. He's an uh, actor, singer, songwriter, and model. And Wrote to Me, he's Nigerian. My father's from Ghana. He's from Africa. Everything that my father would tell me to do with my music, Wrote to Me already has all the sauce, the ingredients, because a lot of the moves, a lot of the drums, a lot of things come from the African culture. R.I.P. to my father. He recently passed. Anytime I hear this song, it just made me think of my pops. If you love someone or you have memories of someone you love, I feel like this track would do it for you all summer long. The Suffers are born, raised, still based in Houston. But this song, which is from their album that is yet to be released, really is a different sound for them. It's, it's, it's a really sharp turn. It's very, very upbeat. Could be huge. I mean, this song could be played at parties, at festivals, at stadiums. I mean, this is a really, really great song. Baby, I'm 
let me be, let me do my thing, let me be sad if I'm sad, let me be happy if I'm happy. I, I love the message. Can I also say that, like, we're talking about songs of summer. I figured that there was an actual right answer this year and that that was Lizzo about damn time. It's about damn time. Turn up the music. Let's celebrate. You know, a lot of people have been like, when is Lizzo releasing new music? It completely takes me back to, like, to disco songs. It's about damn time. In a minute, I'm going to need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. If you're having a bad day, you know, if you're in a bad mood, you put this on and you can't help but feel good. That was WXPN's Kristen Curtis, Vocalos, Biko, and the Houston Chronicles' Joey Guerra talking about their favorite songs of the summer. For links to their picks, click on the episode link at wbez.org slash And hey, speaking of links, at the top of the show, we mentioned some resources about this week's Supreme Court news. They are in this week's newsletter, and we're also going to put a thread on Twitter. You can find us on the Twitters at Nerd Podcast. We are also collecting your personal delights in Nerdette headquarters. There's a great thread going over there of just like a bunch of things that are making us happy this week. So you can join Nerdette headquarters, our Facebook group. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ, we would love to hang with you over there. Maggie Civit builds our newsletter every week. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman and our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. We'll see you next week. The last time I was in Australia, I overheard somebody say uh, something that haunts me to this day, which is, I'm sick of your negativity, Jeffrey. <laughs> and I just like, I cherish that sentence. I carry it around with me like an heirloom pearl necklace. That's beautiful. Thank you. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.